Hey, business building warrior. Welcome to Silent Sales Machine Radio. I apologize for the audio issues here the first couple minutes. It's going to sound a little different than normal. We'll get into some good audio here in just a minute when I introduce today's hosts. But I'm actually traveling. All I had was my laptop. I just turned it on, hit record. So hopefully this turns out well for you. But thanks for listening. If this is one of the first episodes you've ever heard, you should know that this podcast is home of hundreds of success story interviews with the students of the Proven Amazon course. There's a link to that at silentgym.com, as well as a link to our free Facebook community with over 73,000 members. Hey, we just passed 10 years in that Facebook group. That's pretty amazing, isn't it? But hey, today's topic is one that I think you're really going to enjoy. Like I said, we have some guest hosts who are going to hop on in just a moment. Of course, I'm talking about the Coach's Corner hosts, Robin, Joy, and Brian Olson, who do such a great job about once a week or so around here with great content. And they're talking about comparing a lot of the past businesses that they were involved with, with the Amazon opportunity as presented in the Proven Amazon course, specifically the listeners to this podcast who are building Amazon businesses. The strategies we teach here, how do those compare to all the other business models that are out there that entrepreneurs can consider. They've done everything from, they talk about it in the episode. I'm not going to fill you in on all of it, but they've done everything from investing in real estate to some multi-level network marketing type of things and and some uh, stock market trading and options trading. And they've done all of these things. They've studied the programs. They've watched the communities. They've absorbed the content. They've had a lot of failures. They've had a few successes, but they contrast those experiences through the lens that we teach here, which is looking for opportunities that afford you low risk, high odds of success, low investment required, low learning curve, and what kind of community, what kind of people, what kind of relationships are you involved with? I think many of us have a track record. If you've been trying to earn money creatively through entrepreneurial endeavors for any length of time, You've run into different snags and disappointments, and maybe some of it's worked out well for you. But there's a lens that you can look at any opportunity through. And when you look at it through that lens of what are the risks? How sustainable is this? How realistic is it that this could turn into something truly special? What kind of people am I going to be working with? Where's the community of people who are doing this effectively? Are they available to me? How much time, effort, and energy might have to go into learning this program. When you start looking into different opportunities through that lens, well, you're very quickly going to come to the conclusion, I think, that so many of us in this community have come to that there really isn't anything out there that's quite like the Amazon opportunity when it comes to going from knowing nothing, having very little time or money to invest, and still having a great high odds of building a successful, beautiful business. That's the topic today. I think you're really going to enjoy it. And as a reminder, that's one of the themes of my best-selling book, Silent Sales Machine, which, as I'm recording this, is still available completely free to you if you text the word free, just that little word, free, F-R-E-E, to this phone number. If you live in the U.S. or Canada, use this phone number, 507-800-0090. Text the word free to that number. You'll get a return back. That's a link, completely full access to the audio video version of that book. And one of the themes, again, is finding the right business for you using the internet creatively to launch and grow multiple income streams is the goal. But where do you start? That book is a great place to start. So there's that. If you happen to not be able to use that phone number for whatever reason, living outside the United States, our ideas work internationally, by the way. We have many students outside the U.S. Just contact our support team, or you can go to the link and find it at silentgym.com. There's a link to our support team there. Email us if you have the address. If you don't, just go to silentgym.com. Hey, that's enough of an introduction. Let's get on to the great content today. I'm going to turn it over to Brian and Robin Joy Olson. Enjoy this episode as they dig into some of the other business opportunities that led them to this Amazon seller community and why they're such big fans of what's being taught here. Enjoy this episode. Welcome back to Silent Sales Machine Radio. We are your co-hosts. I'm Brian. And I'm Robin Joy. And this is Coach's Corner. Well, 
we've been talking about this uh, topic for a week or so. We have. Yeah, it's kind of been in our mind lately. I'm excited to get this one out there because it really kind of paints a picture about what an awesome opportunity the Amazon FBA space is for most people. Especially what it has been for us. Yeah, yeah. So um, if you heard anything about our story, just a quick introduction. We like, I don't know that we like to say it, but we've (laughs) been uh, serial entrepreneurs pretty much since the day that we met. We've been described as serial Serial entrepreneurs. entrepreneurs, (laughs) And we've had, uh, we've experienced varying degrees of success and various periods of success um, all throughout that journey of, uh, or adventure of of those um, Those entrepreneurial, (laughs) whatever. Yeah, those adventures. (laughs) Totally totally lost that one. (laughs) Um, anyway, so um, we thought, uh, looking back, uh, since uh, we've we've been doing this Amazon business for four years now, mm-hmm. experienced a good amount of success, that we would sort of evaluate um, what it is that you know we have today against our previous adventures and see you know are there yeah, any- why why were we not able to find success or as much success or as Long- sustained yeah. su- success as we have. Yeah. In in the business that we're in now, which is, uh, you know, around FBA. Yeah. So. So we'll give you a quick rundown of the different things that we've done and maybe get, then uh, we'll share some evaluation criteria with you and and see where this goes. I think it's going to be really exciting. OK, let's okay, see what ready? happens. All right. So when we first met, I was in a uh, multi-level marketing program. Yes. And uh, MLM was something that appealed to me a mm-hmm. lot. And it was, you know, show people how to do the business. They sign up, you sell some product. They mm-hmm. show people how to do the business. They sign up, they sell some product, that kind of thing. Right, right. Okay. right. Perfectly legal in, yeah, yeah. yeah not not like a, a pyramid scheme, no. but definitely multi-level marketing. Yeah, absolutely multi-level marketing. Mm-hmm. But, well, we'll come back to the to the. Yeah, so line. what do we do next? So then we did options, options trading. trading. Yes. Options trading was a heck of a lot of fun. Um, I really enjoyed it. Yeah, there was excitement there. There was... Yeah, a lot of things it, going on there. A lot. It seemed like a lot at stake. Um, yes. So, but what we learned about was uh, how to buy and sell stocks, how to buy and sell options. So we mm-hmm. were doing things like covered calls and covered puts, or going short on stock or whatever. And it was right around the uh, the uh, dot, dot com bubble. bubble. Yeah. Right. Our timing hasn't always been really good. <laughs> it's not right. Like <laughs> a little late to the party. Yeah. So what? <laughs> There will be a few more stories like that, I think, as as we're going through these. Um, um, okay, so what do we do next? Then we did. Uh, e- we launched a store on eBay. Yes, which is still active today. Yeah, this is early two thousand. This is like yeah, two thousand one, two thousand two, yeah, ish, mm-hmm. right? And um, what we were doing there was we were buying these large quantities or uh, like a, like a box full. Uh, they called it a lot. A lot, yeah, of luxury goods. Yeah, like brand name Fendi mm-hmm. was a lot of it coach and and uh Louis Vuitton and Louis Vuitton yeah that. Louis Vuitton yeah I don't think Louis Vuitton I, I didn't know Louis Vuitton back that. then but anyway that was interesting uh, a great experience like I said we got to set up our store which we've still sold on over over the years just we didn't end up really exploring that opportunity in full which we'll get into here in a minute okay um, but that was interesting we learned a lot we did learn we did learn quite a bit about online marketing and mm-hmm. online selling mm-hmm. business in general. Yep. So then we did um, something where we kind of made our own websites and we did Google AdSense and AdWords. Yep. And we we built websites where the idea was to get people to click on our link so that we could, you know, have a, I guess it was a revenue share with Google at the time. Yeah. So yeah, yeah it that was like pretty well. It went, yeah, I mean that first year was really good. It was a great opportunity where we experienced a, a lot of growth and we made for us at the time a lot of cash. Um it was it yeah. was a great system. Yeah, it was or, turnover, quick turnover yeah, kind of stuff. We made, yeah. You know, like it was a monthly payday from from Google at the time, but it kind of was I'll call it a flat, a bit of a flash in the pan um, right. for us anyway. We did mm-hmm. we did leverage some of what we learned there later on. Okay, so we got a few more to get through, so yeah. we probably should uh, run through this. We've got a, affiliate marketing. We did, which was an extension of the Google AdSense, and we started going to other companies and being affiliates for them. And we even made some of our own products at the time. We did. I had yeah. a v- learn how to make sales letters. I had a V. What was we now call a VA? 
at yes. the time, mm-hmm. um, who is a, still a friend of ours today, mm-hmm. who was helping us do some technical work on the back end to make oh, yeah, our websites great. cool yeah. and flashy and stuff like that, because we didn't want to just be a junk site. Right. right. Uh, we wanted, right. We and, wanted so, to have some value. Plugins and whatnot of right. the day. Mm-hmm. Right. Then we did uh, real estate. Yeah. Some so, of that during the same period of time yeah. we were doing real estate. So we were, go ahead. We got into real estate kind of by accident where we yeah. were, we had gotten too big for our britches in the first home that we bought. So then we were like, hey, let's go build a new home. <laughs> but we couldn't sell the old home. So we ended up becoming landlords. And, yes. and um, that led to uh, us reading Rich Dad, Poor Dad. And then yes. we were like, okay, well, if we're going to do this, let's do it. Right? Yeah. So we got in, we, we joined a real estate investing group. We started, you know, buying rehabs, um, mm-hmm. flipping houses, doing some super crazy uh, real estate uh, strategies like sandwich lease options and all kinds of yeah. uh, subject to <laughs> kind of stuff. And uh, it was really interesting. I think we had a lot and of exciting. fun doing that. We learned a ton. We did learn. And then what happened? 2007, 2007, 2008 happened. 2008 and we were around. holding a lot of uh-huh. real estate that yeah. we, we could not cash flow. Yeah. And the timing wasn't great for us <laughs> at, at that, in that adventure. Um, but we also we'll talk a little more about that. Through um, some of the things that we learned in the previous uh, around the affiliate marketing and the website development, we actually did some of some more of that uh, focused in the real estate sector. So even right. during the downturn of real estate, we were still actually building and hosting websites, which was a great business model for us. Mm-hmm. It wasn't like a, a multi-million dollar thing or anything, but it allowed us to explore that space and yeah. get some more experience. And, it, and and there was some income that was, that was, we didn't have to do a whole lot of work mm-hmm. in order to get a paycheck from that. So that was good. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And then um, a few years later, we launched the Amazon business. Right. So and here those are some of the some of the larger ones. I'm sure there's yeah. still a few in between there. I think I had a, a Mary Kay moment, and you oh, know, yeah. there there are things that we were we were trying throughout the the years. But mm-hmm. these are the big ones. So what would happen, Brian, if we went back today and looked at them with the eyes that we have now? Mm-hmm. If we looked at them with the idea of how much engagement did we really spend to did we really give it a chance mm-hmm. on each one of those how much margin did we have in our lives mm-hmm. physically emotionally financially, financially mm-hmm. and the overall the uh, low low high criteria mm-hmm. right it doesn't have low risk low investment and high chance for success mm-hmm. so we decided we yeah. There's there are a couple of other points in here. Okay, go ahead. Which is the availability of a community oh, yes, support that, group. Yeah. Um, that's there. And then our overall experience in both life and business. Right. What we had in our hand. Yeah, what when we had we, at hand. Yeah. Yeah. When we were um looking at those. Okay. Okay. So let's so, start with the MLM. So back to the, the MLM. Okay, okay. So the level of engagement from both of us. It's pretty high. Um, mostly you though. It was mostly me. Mostly you. Yeah. Oh. Almost all of you, yeah. I guess it was. It was pretty much me. Yeah, <laughs> there were moments when I was in, in, engaged more, but it was it was pretty much on your shoulder. Mm-hmm. So yes, uh, the amount of margin that we had in our lives at the time zero. So did we have any money margin? No. Did we have any time margin? No. We uh, were in school, working jobs. Yeah. We had, yeah, no, no margin. We really had Physically, no margin. We were healthy. Yeah, we were healthy. Yeah, that was we good. We were young. We were healthy. Um, our overall experience level in life and business. We were just getting pretty started small in life. Because we are, yeah, I was in my early 20s and it was that like, was, we just yeah. didn't have much. Right. Was there availability of the community, of a community? Yes. Yes. There was a pretty strong support group there. There I would was. Say. Yeah. yeah. And so then the final one, this is my favorite part of doing this exercise in all of these, which is how do we apply low, low, high to this? Or can okay. we apply low, low, high? So was it a low investment? For us, it, we didn't have much margin. So it seemed high. But overall, I mean, now we would look at it as pretty low investment. Mm-hmm. Yes. Low risk? Yes, I think it was pretty low risk. Because it was mostly elbow grease to make that right. MLM work, right? Right. Um, high chance for success? For us, it was not. But again, I we weren't. I don't think we were able to take advantage of the community and the opportunities that were there for us. So at the time, I think the margin is what killed us on that. So the the high chance for success, I don't think we would have done any of these things if we didn't think, if we didn't believe there was right. a high chance for success. Exactly. Right? That's true. But I'm not sure we were always right in our beliefs. <laughs> <laughs> Good point. <laughs> 
Okay, so that okay. was uh, that was MLM, right? Okay. Uh, then the options, then options, trading. options trading. So the level of engagement from both of us. Again, it was pretty much on your sheet. Well, you were engaged in <laughs> I that. Felt we, like I was engaged. We went but I wasn't to, really doing a lot of work. You understood it, and you were engaged yeah. mentally. And we had conversations I was about it. With and, you. But I was the one who's doing all the execution. Right. So when things didn't go as well, I also took. I didn't take all the blame, though. I would say I didn't take all the blame. You were right there saying, yeah, okay, we learned from that. Before, you know, in most of these things, I was more of a board member than a, a worker. Active me. participant. Yes, yeah. it's true. Yeah. And not that I couldn't participate, and I did at times, but it did not rest on my shoulders in right. most cases. Right, right. Okay. And the we, amount of margin we had at that time. More. It was more, Definitely right? We more did. financial margin. Mm-hmm. We had more time margin. We had more time margin. I did. Anyway. You did. I was... Yeah. I was busier in in my career at that time but mm-hmm. yes high chance for success well hold on we didn't oh. that's not where we're going yet we oh, haven't gotten through the uh <laughs> the amount of margin Oops. was time and money okay margin okay. time money and, and health and health and we right? were healthy yep i think so yes. we we were it checked the boxes on all yeah. those i think the overall experience that we had in both of our lives was maybe a little bit better better we um because we had been married for a little bit and we right. had we'd you know done done a few things together right. We'd learned some from the businesses we were working in as employees. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. The uh, availability of a community. There was kind of a community. It was not that accessible that I felt like. Mm-hmm. It was more of a community for the purpose of sales. There, yeah, there wasn't a tools. there wasn't a community that was like, um, "Hey, here's exactly how you apply this, buy this stock or buy this sector of stocks. And right. Um, and there or, wasn't somebody there to say, okay, well, here's, here are some things available to you to learn more about that. Here's yeah. where you need to go next to get your experience. Right. right. It was, so, it was a lot of, you know, lone wolf in it. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So, and then because we both weren't hundred percent engaged, it was, it was really we, a lone it felt like lone wolf to me. Sure. Not sure. no no blame at all. Just that's just the way it was, right? Careful there. I know. Um <laughs> and, good. and then uh really true. let's evaluate low, low, high to this. Was okay. it low investment? No. No. Was it, was it low high. risk? No. No. Was it a high chance for success? No. No. What the heck were what we, were we thinking? There? I know. So we had, you know, <laughs> hey, we'll try anything. <laughs> no. I, I think this is the overall experience that we were starting right. to realize now. We didn't know to gauge by these things yeah. at the time. Yeah. We didn't know. We were just, you know, enthralled by the uh taken by the high, you know, the potential chance for success. Yeah. So we Which didn't great. we didn't have a measuring stick at the time. Uh, uh-huh. we, I mean, internally we did, but it wasn't like a system that we could go by and say, "Now nah, we're not going to do that." Right. Okay. Right. Okay. So then we did uh, eBay mm-hmm. buying the luxury goods and reselling on eBay. So that was a level of engagement. Again, you were on the corporate rock star trajectory <laughs> at the time, so it was mostly me, right? <laughs> yeah. And I and I was kidding earlier when we were talking about it. Like I thought I was going to get your attention. In this, because it had all these cool products, brand name stuff that you know about. And I was like, well, yeah. oh, yeah, she's really going to love this. I did. And I wanted to keep it all. Yes. <laughs> I didn't want to <laughs> yeah. I mean, I didn't, it was cool stuff. I had never heard of Fendi before we mm-hmm. started doing that. And there was some, you know, or Burberry, Burberry or whatever yeah. that's called, right? There was a lot of cool stuff there that I, but in the end, it was, I was buying it. I was listing it mm-hmm. and I was shipping it out. Yeah, I don't think I did any any of the listing or any of the work in that one at all. Okay. We had a bit more experience in business and we in did. life mm-hmm. by that point, right? Enough to know that I knew enough that uh I we didn't go too deep. So that right. that was good and we didn't right. feel it was diversified. The business itself was fairly diversified. So it didn't mm-hmm. even when we decided not to continue, it wasn't like uh we Yeah, looking we back given I think that one of these is community. I think given a better community, we yeah. could have had a lot more success there. And we did not know about Jim at that time. This is probably we, and Jim was probably right there. And we just had oh one, oh two, yeah. maybe early oh three. And yeah. we 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 just never ran across Jim. We knew I knew of a bunch of other people. Uh, well, I wish not we a had. bunch, but some other people. Yeah. Yeah. Uh yeah, that would have or been this community. Cool. Or, yeah. or a community like that. Mm-hmm. And then low, low, high. How does it uh well it was 
fairly low investment. I would say it was low investment. Fairly it checks that investment. box. Yeah. Um, low risk. Low risk. I low, think, I think low it was risk. low risk. I, I always felt like even if I couldn't sell it on eBay, if we needed to go set up at a flea market, we could have gotten rid of all that stuff. Yeah. Or I could, you know, just wear, or it, wear it to dinner. Personal too, use, that'd be right? okay too. Yeah. Well, we're talking about capital <laughs> preservation. <laughs> I was thinking about capital protection, right? And you were thinking about what that would look like with my blue suit. Yes. <laughs> right. Right. Uh, so low investment, low risk. low risk. Yes. I think it was low risk. Like I said, I, I had yeah, outlets, I think right? Pretty, pretty low, low risk. High chance sure. for success. Well, I mean, it's a it was a decent pe- it, chance yeah, for success. I, I think yeah. It, it just needed, but consistency would have been key there. Sorry. Earthquake I'm, happening over sorry, here. Sorry, I'm moving the desk. <laughs> <laughs> um, I think technically it did check all the boxes. It just... That, like I said, you were on a trajectory. We ended up the reason we stopped doing that is we relocated out of state mm-hmm. and it just didn't have the flexibility, but it, it started us on a path to get us to where, where you are today. Yes. So, yes, it was really the first time we had the opportunity to kind of not depend on, I mean, we had the opportunity always, but mm-hmm. we learned not to depend on other people to do our work. Yes. Basically. Yeah. yeah. Okay. So, uh, we learned a lot there. Google, the Google marketing stuff that we yeah. did. This was, uh, was kind of um, interesting. level of engagement. Again, this was mostly like me. Cutting edge at the time. This was yeah. mostly you, yes. You were, again, now you were, we had relocated and you were at corporate office, corporate home office. Yeah, that's the reason we locate, relocated. Relocated. Right? And so this, and I was working from home. So I had the ability to all say multitask and do, do stuff that, I could do like over a lunch break or right out. Mm-hmm. I didn't have to worry about commuting. And so I had a, a bit more time. Mm-hmm. Um, so I had uh, that margin. Mm-hmm. We we had more margin in our life at that point, maybe than uh, up until we started Amazon. Oh, sure. That we'd had at any point in our lives. Yeah. Right, I think life. financially and time mm-hmm. and we were healthy. So I think yeah. we had, we had quite a bit of margin in our lives yep. at that time. And our experience level was better. Like I, again, I had less time, but yeah, I, I combined did. we had more yeah. time, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Our experience level was growing, uh, of course, every yes. uh, every, every year, time. and every time that we had done one of these previous ventures. Yeah, if these had been ASINs, yeah, we'd have been really good at this by the time <laughs> we'd had a lot of ASINs on our on a replens list. And that's one didn't... of the things we were talking about before. Is like we never. I'm trying to think of maybe with real estate, did we ever get to the point where we put in the work equivalent to finding a hundred ASINs? Yeah. Um, well, yeah, we never really went far enough with any of these things mm-hmm. to get the, the payoff. Mm-hmm. So there was really no, there was a community, um, but mm-hmm. it was a pay community, right? It right. was, uh, it was, for, a, are you talking about for the, the for, ads, Google for the, ads? Yeah. For the Google stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Um, was, and I was not involved in those communities at all. You were you were pretty much. I don't doing, want to say bulletin board. What do we call it? Like a forum. A there forum, were forums yes. that you could pay to be. There were free forums, and then there were paid forums. And the free forums were where not so much useful information was shared. The paid forums you could get into. I would say there was a community. I yes. just didn't leverage it. Yes, we. Uh, I'm, I was just thinking that some of these things kind of m- might sound foreign to people who are mm-hmm. younger and mm-hmm. un- used to this has always been available online. It was not, it was just starting to become available um, during these times mm-hmm. as, as a general. Um, there was no thing. Facebook. There was no Facebook. There was no the Insta. Time, at that, there was no TikTok. Yeah. Right. That says it all, right? <laughs> yeah. None of these, there was MySpace. Uh, maybe. Maybe. Oh yeah. 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 Cause we did have an assistant who was a, my, a big MySpace okay. person. You're right. I forgot she had <laughs> so a MySpace. That's- yeah, so that's the, that's the general uh-huh. time yeah. period we're talking about. Okay. Yes. So the other was community. So how does a low low high work on this one? So and why don't you ask me because I can. Okay. So so was there low investment? Yes, was it was low investment. investment. I I remember buying the first program that I it was ninety seven dollars, uh-huh. and that was the first time I learned the secret of sevens in your oh, pricing. Yeah. And uh, $97, and I bought a program called TE, not the TE that you're thinking about. <laughs> no. It was called Traffic Equalizer. And it was only $97 to get started. Now, there was a little bit of hosting involved, but um, uh-huh. but, it but was, that was like $5 a month. It was a lot stuff, of, it was right? mostly elbow grease, not. Um, okay. So yeah. low low investment, mm-hmm. low risk. Yes, low risk. Yeah. I Mostly because there was pretty low investment. Mm-hmm. What are you going to lose that mm-hmm. low investment, right? Mm-hmm. And high chance for success. You know, I think there was a high chance for limited success. That the chance for the the chance for how do I say this? The availability of 
high success over the long term was what didn't really pan out. But in the short term, because, you know, the Internet was relatively new, web, you know, websites and authority and that kind of stuff was relatively mm-hmm. new as well. So, yeah, I think it partially checks that box. Okay. And we did find some success. We did, in that. absolutely. We, and, and that lasted for a little bit. Mm-hmm. We, Like you said, we were able to get a monthly paycheck out of that. Mm-hmm. It was still a side gig. It was definitely. Oh, very much a side gig. It had no chance of replacing either of our incomes. But, mm-hmm. but yeah, it was, you know, car payment money. Mm-hmm. Yeah, mm-hmm. sure. Yep, yep, for sure. Okay, so then right. we had affiliate marketing, which was kind of an extension of yeah, that. Yeah, I thought we'd of... probably put that those two things together because one kind of led into the other and it was in the same arena, same right. space. So I would... And same time period for yeah. us, really. Um, definitely low risk, definitely low investment, um, high chance for success on affiliate to marketing, marginal. Yeah. yeah, yeah, okay. Yeah, um, affiliate marketing, I think, has developed a lot yeah. and there is more chance for success than there was at the time. It was like the wild, wild west back then. <laughs> right, <laughs> Today, I th- well, it, it might be more competitive today, but there are uh, many more niches available today compared to what exists. And many more outlets, I think. Yes, a lot more available today. Yeah, right. and more platforms to get the message out about right. your market. Again, there was MySpace mm-hmm. and there was Google mm-hmm. search engine, which was way less developed than it is now. Right. So, all right. So, real estate, that was the next really big one. Yeah. We got into real estate, we joined a community. Mm-hmm. The the community was great, but we had to pay to be in that community. Mm-hmm. And there was there was really no content coming out of out of there. Well, they, they had were monthly meetings and they had people come and present content and like well, talk about and their strategy and that strategy. And, and, things yeah. And, and yeah, oh yeah, there was a lot of there was a lot of course selling that went on in yes. the real estate, including um where we got the idea for some of our stuff. But a lot of it was good and worth oh, buying. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. I remember sure. howling around with some some people. In fact, in, in, in all of these spaces, we knew very successful people. We did. It wasn't like we just it's like, not like it wasn't it wouldn't be successful for anyone. And that's why we apply the margin to it. A lot of it was not successful for us because we didn't have the margin, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Right. Okay. But real estate level of engagement. Uh, ultimately, we were, pretty we were both very engaged. engaged in that one. In fact, we ended up quitting both of our jobs. Mm-hmm. We were able to replace both of our jobs with mm-hmm. that. Mm-hmm. For a short period of time. For a short period of time. <laughs> but what happened? 2006 yeah. to 2007. Yeah. <laughs> Speaking of periods of time. Okay, let's go to the beginning. Uh, Level engagement. Yep, that was good. Great yep. for both, both of us. us. Yep. Right? Amount of margin. Yeah, yeah we, that, we had that was quite probably, a bit of margin. Yeah, that, we had in, a lot of margin. We in, were healthy. We had financial margin. We had time. Time. Yeah. Yep. So that was good. We had built some good experience by that point, both personally and professionally. We had, yes. And we've been several years in our careers. Mm-hmm. We had learned a lot about business. We had had all kinds of different experiences with mm-hmm. business. Uh, um, community? The community, yep. there was, there was we were just talking about that. There was mm-hmm. a community. It was, yeah, there was working together in that community too. Yeah, yeah it was pretty We didn't see each other's competitors. To, and on, yeah, there was a certain level of, of that. All right. So was it low, low, high? Low investment. No. Yeah, it was high investment. Mm-hmm. Low risk. I say no, but I think, you know, other For people us, would argue. It oh, ended up being it depends. higher than, yeah. In the beginning, the risk was fairly low by, well, what happened? 2007. Happened. 2007, 2008. Well, here's a, the strategy also determines the level of risk. True. And so if you're paying cash for something, your risk is way lower than if you're le- being leveraged. Um, True. And so that kind of played into it too. Okay. Okay. Yeah, I, I agree with you there. But high chance for success, it was pretty good in the beginning. Mm-hmm. But what happened was the market turned on us mm-hmm. and we had a lot, we were holding a lot of property mm-hmm. and it went bad hard and fast mm-hmm. on us. And that hurt really, really badly. That was painful. Like I said, we didn't have jobs. We like our income stopped, mm-hmm. and we owed a whole lot, whole mm-hmm. lot of money we couldn't pay. So it was quite. It was the most humbling experience I've had in the uh, entrepreneurial space ever. And that just about broke us. It was serial it was entrepreneurs. Yeah, it was tough. We we needed. We were scarred, and we needed some healing time after that. I remember it was. Uh, we came back to Colorado Springs mm-hmm. and we told each other, we're not doing, we're having job, we're getting jobs. Get a job. And that's, yeah. <laughs> and then we're going to let somebody job. else worry about it. Don't get creative. <laughs> and we did that for 11, 12 years. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah, which was uh, a, a good chunk of our lives that we didn't explore anything mm-hmm. else, which was, right. you know, looking back, everything, you know, worked out okay, but I feel like we lost some time there for sure. Yes. <laughs> okay, good. Sorry. So then what happened? So then <laughs> after uh, 10, 11 years passes, well, then I start exploring the um, internet marketing space again mm-hmm. and came across the Amazon opportunity. You had a long drive and you were starting to listen to podcasts. Oh, well, we took the job thing seriously, just like we do everything. So yes. if we're going to go do a job, we're going to we do, do it all halfway. the way. Anything right? halfway so, to a fault. Right. So then I took this job out of out of the city, uh, you know, a different city from where we lived. I had a lot of uh, air time, as they we say. We lived in Colorado Springs and you were working in Denver, which is yep. about an hour, hour and a half drive every day. It was about 90 minutes drive yep, each way. Mm-hmm. And then, so I had plenty of time to start time on my hands. And, you know, you can only, for me, I can only listen to so much radio. (laughs) And so I was like, I got to find something else to listen to. So podcasts. Mm -hmm. And I I tell the story. I don't, I I remember which podcast I started listening to first, but it was like a friend of a friend of a friend that I heard through, uh, heard of Jim Cockrum. And then Mm -hmm. that's ultimately what led me back to this community. Mm -hmm. So started that outlet. We, We don't need to go through all of that, but what about the level of engagement from, think about where we are you know, ultimately. Okay. And when so we're we have this. found quite a bit of sustained success yes. with this. So right? yes, sustained success. Do we have a level of engagement from both of us? We do now. We did not in the beginning. That's what I was saying, but let's measure it by today. Okay. So now we have absolutely, we're both, both feet in, right? Yeah. Yeah. We're both <laughs> yeah, all in if in case anyone was wondering. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> the amount of margin. We, uh, we also had a, that was probably equal to when we were doing the uh, real estate. We had a we lot of, quite a bit of quite margin, a bit of margin we were, in our lives. Yeah. Yeah. We have throughout this four years had financial margin. We've had time margin mm-hmm. and, um, and built more time margin into it. We haven't had health the whole time, but mm-hmm. we do now. Yep. It, we've had limited times of, of health issues, but yep. we have health now. And so that's been able to be sustained. I think be a lot of, I, I'm convinced that margin has a lot to do with it. I would agree. So our experience, well, we were the, obviously we were the most experienced <laughs> at every point along the way, but we had a lot of uh, adventures that we had gained experience from by the time we started this one. Were they all right. necessary? Absolutely not. Absolutely not. But they were there. Right. It's what we had in our hand. We also had quite a bit of experience in business from our jobs. We learned a lot from our jobs and our education. We both have master's degrees and Mm -hmm. we learned a lot uh, from those types of activities. Are they necessary for us to be successful? No. Absolutely not. Do we use them only in the experience that we've had or the, um, you know, only because some of those things are available to us. We, we would not need them Mm-mm. to be successful. Right. We know lots of people who, who are, haven't had any, anything near. And are still finding success. And are here. still finding yeah. success so that it does not depend on that. Availability of a community. Yeah. We have the greatest. This was community. the best when we were evaluating all of these the- things. The community here uh, is the best opportunity that we've experienced at any point along the way. I think next to margin, that's been the most important thing to us is the availability of the community and not just that a community is available, but the people in that community are actively helping us Mm -hmm. all the time and offering suggestions and help and, and even sharing their experiences. And that has helped us so much. Yes. And you're getting uh, access to and answers from seasoned successful sellers in this community. Mm-hmm. Not like I mentioned earlier, the forum where you might be a free forum and there was less than useful information there because it was one newbie helping another newbie. If there's ever any of that that happens here, you usually get a definitive answer mm-hmm. um, in the Facebook group. Right. But there are also several different answers that you can choose from. Sure. Like, There's not a right and wrong. There's not always one there's answer. There's not yeah. only one path. Sure. Right. Yeah. Okay. All right. And then low, low, high. Well, well, that's where low, low, high came <laughs> this from. Is where low, low, high came from. Right. Low investment, uh-huh. low, low risk, risk, and high, high chance, chance for success. success. Yeah. That that was like, okay. Uh, that's why we, uh, today, I think we think of that as the gold standard by, right. by which we would measure any opportunity that we're entertaining. Exactly. So when we go back and look at those other things that we, you know, tried to do and had diff- varying levels of success, <laughs> 
Mm-hmm. If we put that lens on it, if we'd had that lens at the time, we would have put it on it at the time. We didn't mm-hmm. have it. We have it now. Yeah. And now we can see. It's funny. We say that we we uh, evaluate everything as if it were an ASIN. We, we Every, do now. <laughs> everything is an ASIN. And for that reason, and similarly, everything we evaluate now is low, low, high, and even to the point where I was talking about. And the about, margin is it's margin, been a huge yeah. thing. And did we put in the equivalent of 100 ASINs worth of effort on all these previous ventures, right? Some of them we did, most of them we didn't. Right. And the reason that we were successful here is because we put in that sustained level of intense focus effort that is required to make it happen. Yes. Yes. Which, it pushed through that first first barrier we we pushed through we made it through we found a way to get through Mm -hmm. and from there it's been much much easier much more successful much more comfortable to do Mm -hmm. than it was in the beginning so it was no different for us we learned a lot from that experience too that we can now take and apply to various parts of our lives right whether it's like launching, learning about doing a, a private listing or learning about mm-hmm. doing pay-per-click campaigns mm-hmm. or learning about doing any other aspects of this business. Sure. this There's this level of effort that is required in order to make that happen. And there are growing pains in that too. Yes, mm-hmm. to be expected. Yes, even for us today. Like we still have Absolutely. growing pains because if I said this the other day, um, I don't remember exactly the context of the conversation, but and I already lost my thought on that one. <laughs> Ugh. And there we go. Interrupted myself. You yeah. interrupted yourself. You can't remember what you were going to say. Mm-hmm. Well, that's okay. Pushing through the barrier. Yeah. Uh, is this- oh, it was was it was the level of comfort. If you're ever yeah. not feeling uncomfortable, like if you're just comfortable all the time, then- I think somebody said that if if you're if you're not a little scared, you're not doing it right. Right. Yeah. <laughs> so we always try and be a little bit scared because that way we know that we're learning and growing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Or at least a little bit pushing pushing the envelope yeah. a little bit. Right. So, we want to be growing and learning all the time. So one final thing I want to, to, to talk about here that maybe brings all of this together mm-hmm. is that none of this happens. Success in any of these things, mm-hmm. whether it's you know a short-term success or long-term success in any of the adventures that we have talked about, the number one thing that allowed any of those things to happen was taking action. Taking action. And if you have ever... I guess the point I'm trying to make here is that the it's never going to seem perfect. The perfect right. time, perfect situation, perfect circumstances for you to go, oh, yes, this is the right now time for me to do the it. Amazon business, right? right. <laughs> Now's the time for me to do this. This is That's a, true. I've put everything in place. The stars are perfectly aligned. Yes. Now I'm going to launch this business. I don't think that's ever been true for anything. That we've done? Or I don't know of anybody who's yeah, ever had right? that right. <laughs> experience. So we, you know. But how, we said it before. The confidence that we have now, Mm -hmm. that came from the clarity that we got from taking action. Mm -hmm. So the confidence is where you want to be, but you can't get that without finding the clarity that Mm -hmm. comes from taking taking action. action. So you may look back on something and say, wow, you know, that really was the perfect time for me to do that. Yes. But I would wager that it never is going to feel like the perfect time. Mm -hmm. So I, and I wanted to bring this up because we see a lot of people who are sitting on the sidelines Mm -hmm. in the community, people that even we know friends, family Mm -hmm. who are sitting on the sidelines because they're waiting for the time to be perfect before they're going to do something here. And the reality is it's probably never going to be perfect. And and the other lesson here, I think that I'm trying to uh, explain is that whatever the opportunity was that we did, Uh the one that measured up the best Uh across all of these things, the level of engagement that we've had, um, the amount of margin that we've had in our lives that was available for the business. Uh I'll scratch out the experience because I don't think you really need to have a ton of experience to come in. I mean, you need to have experience in this business, which you'll get by taking action, but you don't have to have 10 years in business to go start Amazon. No, not at all. That's one of the the things. It's also a a low education requirement. Right. Right. Yes. The availability community, the best. The best. And the measurement against low, low, high checks all the boxes. Yes. So this is making the case for being in the Amazon business, figuring out how to do FBA Mm -hmm. and, you know, jumping off, you know, getting in the game, get off the sidelines, get on the field. I would say if you want this to work, not everyone has that motivation, but if you're here, Mm -hmm. you're probably interested. If you want this to work, 
you must take action. Mm -hmm. You can know, it's just like uh, learning to ride a bike. You can know all about it, understand it completely. Know what's going to happen to somebody who you're watching ride a bike. But if you don't get on that bike yourself, you're not going to get from here to there. So let's say I get on the bike and I find an ASIN and I send it in and it tanks. Mm -hmm. What cure is that? More ASINs. More ASINs. More ASINs. Just one. One is not a test. That's what your coach told you, right? One right. is not a test. Uh -huh. Yeah. One doesn't give you the experience. Yeah. Go get 100. Go get, go get 100. Yep. Yep. 100. 100. Okay. Thanks, everyone. Thanks. Look forward to talking with you soon. Talk to you soon. So before I let you go for the day, I've got a special segment, and this is going to be a little longer than some of the ones that we've done in the past with my good friend, Jeff Schick. He, of course, is a phenomenal lawyer and Amazon policy expert who helps sellers all day, every day from around the world with the legal challenges and the policy challenges that come with being a seller. And we've got a fun topic to dive into today, Jeff. I'm just going to turn it over to you, buddy. What do you got for us? All right. So today's uh, special edition topic is all about bundles. And so it's going to be you know, really about talking about branded bundles and how do you structure your listing so that you're not you know, stepping on anybody's toes or violating Amazon's you know, bundling guidelines. So really want to Use this as a, you know, kind of like a checklist, you know, episode, you know, go through, you know, you know, feel free, pause it as you go, go through your listings and make sure that you're compliant because I can tell you from firsthand experience, Amazon is, is starting to investigate, you know, more, more listings, of course. And so the time to find out that your bundle is not compliant is not from Amazon. You don't find that you don't want them to, you know, cause they could delete your bundle or they could, you know, you know, suspend your selling account or any, not, you know, any of the above could happen. So it's better to go and fix your listings up. A lot of the stuff that we'll talk about is really simple stuff. It should take you no more than five minutes per listing. Um, if you're using flat files, it will probably take you five minutes for per hundred listings. It's really not that hard, but the you know the time to check it is now, so that way you're well protected going into Q4. So outstanding. Let me just make sure people understand what a branded bundle is, in case there's someone who's totally yeah. new. You know, from my perspective, when I say branded bundle, I'm thinking. I'm selling some common recognized household brands, but I could easily pull off any retail store shelf and I'm putting them together with a value add item that I've come up with on my own that helps create unique value for the end customer. And Amazon's going to look at it and go, yeah, that adds value to the catalog, right? And there's a bit of gray area there and what those lines and rules are, but you want to play well on the other side, on the safe side of where those lines are. And that's kind of the theme today is you're talking about putting together these branded bundles, right? Did I hit that well? Absolutely. And I guess I was thinking about this just as you were saying that to make it easy for people to follow, I want to kind of make a harmonized approach to the items that we're going to talk about for our hypothetical bundle. So for today's hypothetical bundle, we're going to take a brand that everybody knows, Nike. If you don't know what Nike is, then, well, Amazon's going to be a difficult Earth. journey. <laughs> you know, so everyone knows Nike. So for for our branded for our hypothetical branded bundle, and and I'm not advocating that people do Nike bundles at all. I don't know how they would how they would view their items being put into a bundle. I have not seen any IPs from them, but you know, I'm just making this up as we go because I've never seen a Nike bundle before. So no one's going to get mad at me for talking about their their winning their product idea. <laughs> <laughs> so so Nike. Uh, so we're going to say a hypothetical. We're going to say sell a Nike uh, workout shirt, a Nike workout shorts. And then, of course, we've got our own item with our own brand, which is going to be that branded component for the branded bundle. So to make things easy, we're going to say it's Jeff's protein powder because that goes well with workout shorts and T-shirts. So Jeff's protein powder, Nike shirt, Nike shorts. And now that's kind of the baseline for how we're going to talk about the bundles going forward for today. If you guys want to write it down, it might make it easier as we go. Um, but it should help with things. So without further ado, the first thing we're going to talk about is when we're creating these listings is brand. So the brand element, that should be branded as Jeff's, you know, let's say where it's Jeff's workout supplies. You know, I have a trademark, it's a federal trademark I've registered with the USPTO called Jeff's workout supplies. That's going to be our, our brand. That's what we would set our brand field as. Now, as you can tell, workout supplies is pretty broad. That can encompass things like protein powder, it could encompass shirts, t-shirts, shorts, whatever it may be, could be included in that, that bundle, which is why we want to have a broad trademark and, and a good brand name that doesn't narrow us into a small little box. You know, coincidentally, 
That's why when I file trademarks for sellers, we always spend a good bit amount of time talking about what do they plan to sell. So we make sure we get that trademark in the right category so that it protects them because uh, you can't trademark just the concept of a bundle um, because then you'd end up with a service mark. So we always want to get a trademark for the actual specific items within the bundle. So that's a whole nother conversation, whole nother topic. I would say it probably doesn't fit well for a segment because it's too too individual specific. But if you ever want to talk to me about it one-on-one, feel free to schedule a call. And that way we can talk about you know, trade, you know, your specific trademark. But brand name should equal your your brand trademark. Not it wouldn't be Nike in this example. It would be Jeff's workout supplies. So so that's the first element. And of course, if you know, you've listened to me and Jim before, I always tell people the most important element on a product detail page is brand. <laughs> you got it. So that's that's the first thing. Second thing would be titles. So people often overlook the titles. Titles are really important because they help people find your products. They're also really important because it's where you can really mess yourself up when it comes to the bundle policy. So Amazon's bundle policy is that the most valuable item in your bundle is what the brand should be. So if we think about that from a logical perspective, if you're selling something, your most valuable item usually would come at the beginning of a title. It's not going to come at the end. So in our example, we would want to start it off and say, Jeff's you know, lifting supply or Jeff's workout supplies, protein powder. And then now here's the key operative phrase. This is where we're seeing Amazon start to get a little bit more unique. You're going to have this phrase bundled with. Now, if that sounds familiar, it's because it's very familiar to how they handle aftermarket products. Uh, we'll get back to that in just a second, but it's going to be Jeff's, you know, lifting supplies, protein powder, bundled with Nike shorts and Nike shirt. Easy enough. Uh, we're not stepping on anyone's toes. Nike's not going to be upset because it doesn't look like we're saying that they're creating the protein powder or any of these other items. We're making it very clear that they're creating the shirts and the shorts. And then we're also making it very clear that we're creating the protein powder in this example. Again, making, you know, just trying to be clear to, clear to the consumers and everyone else. From Amazon's perspective, it doesn't look like we're trying to mislead anyone either. Um, and of course, one thing that all sellers have agreed to in the seller code of conduct is a section called acting fairly. And that is to contribute content that does not mislead consumers or harm other sellers and things like that. So, and if you haven't read the seller code of conduct, highly recommend it. It takes about 10 minutes to read it. That's uh, kind of the, the catch-all for Amazon. If they don't ever say specifically what a policy is, that's what they rely on to come after people if they think that you're operating in the wrong side of the gray zone. So you always want to read it just to know where you are within that, that uh, seller code of conduct. So just to recap, because um, I know I've kind of gone on a couple little rabbit trails here, the title would be Jeff's Lifting Supplies Protein Powder bundled with Nike shirt and Nike shorts. This keeps it simple. Next up, we'll talk about images. I hope I'm not taking you know ta- taking too much content, but we'll talk about images. Again, we would not want to have just the Nike shirts and shorts because we would want to make sure that if we're if we're highlighting this you know this unique item, it needs to be in your main image. It should not be in a thir- second or third image. So that main image should have all the item components within the bundle. And then from there, bullet points really is up to you. The big thing that I want sellers to know is you cannot copy and paste from the traditional brand listing. So I can't just go to the Nike listing and start copying and pasting, you know, like dry fit technology and all this other stuff because that's copyright infringement. So we actually have to come up with our own stuff. Now, things like, you know, for instance, Nike does have dry fit, right? That's their trademark term. If your product is a Nike dry fit shirt, you're allowed to say Nike dry fit. But if Nike says that dry fit is, you know, active moisture management system that keeps you cool and active. I'm making this all up as we go. You can't copy that word for word, but you could say Nike dry fit technology to help keep you, you know, is breathable and helps keep you cool during a workout. Again, so if the you specific think back, wording they used in their listing, if Nike listed their own products, that's copyrighted right. content and you can't just scrape it. Correct. You put it in your own words. You can and, and reference the, the specific features within putting it in it, your own words. Exactly. So like if they have trademark terms like dry fit, things like that, feel free to use it. That's a term you can use. It's a, that's fair use. But don't go scrape their their description of dry fit. Makes Um, sense. Yep. Along that same line, here's something really important about images that I forgot to mention. You can't take their picture. Like if Nike has a picture of their shorts and a picture Mm -hmm. of their shirt, Mm -hmm. can't take it. 
you got to take model, your own Nike photo. model or whatever. You can't just Google that and drop it on. Nope. That's not going to happen. Nope. Yeah. You can't even cut it out. Like you can't even cut the shirt out of the right. image, like Photoshop. You have to right. take your own picture. So your own photo of everything on a white background to comply with Amazon listing guidelines. Yeah. And um, that, that's a big deal. Getting your own pictures. I mean, I had an old membership website that had a page buried deep behind a paid wall. And I'd used a Google image to illustrate an article that I'd put there. And somehow one of these guys who does this for a living found that image and sent me a demand letter because I'd used their image. And I had to pay a few thousand dollars. And they, they, could, they were actually kind. They could have gone after yeah. me for a lot more. You do not want to be copy pasting images to sell things anywhere no. ever online, especially on Amazon. Right. Yeah. Similarly, yeah, because they can, and also they could hit you with a copyright claim. They can take down your entire bundle listing with copyright yep. if you do that. And and some of these brands are not even doing it maliciously. There's services out there that they pay that use technology that exactly. search for their images and search for their, you know, you upload all of your bullet points that you've ever published, you know, all of your brochures, and it just searches the web for it. And if mm -hmm. it finds matches, it files automated takedowns. There's no human involvement whatsoever. Yeah, there's probably AI out there running this stuff. Digital signatures inside of images and you don't even know. You're like, okay, well, I, I cropped it down. I'm just showing the shirt and I changed the color a little bit. They're never going to find out. Oh, yeah, there, there could be digital signatures in there. Like, uh, Get your own pictures is the bottom line. Get a camera, exactly. pay someone, take a picture with a white background. And write your own, write your own, your own listing content. You know, talking about bundle listings, keywords are important. A seller, I had a seller recently that had a take, got taken down for trademark infringement because in their bundle listing, they had used, you know, imagine they're selling Nike, you know, let's go with our Nike example. They'd used Under Armour as a keyword. Well, that's trademark infringement against Under Armour. So they got a takedown notice. So you were not selling any Under Armour in their bundle. No, they were not. There's, imagine it's a Nike Understood. bundle. Yes. But they were okay. using, you know, trying to get people looking for Under Armour to show up. So, mm -hmm. again, so if you're saying similar to Under Armour, you're right, trying to get those clicks up. Nope, that's a no-no. You've just violated someone's trademark. Exactly. So, and then this should go without saying, but unfortunately, I've had this more than one seller, about three so far, that I've had the same conversation with, where they've received cease and, cease and desist letters from attorneys telling them to stop using a brand within their bundle. and they told me they're going to keep selling it. They don't care. The first sale doctrine protects them. And that's not true. Once you go into bundle territory, the first sale doctrine is no longer applicable to the same level that it is in your traditional like replens model selling where you're just replens on a regular listing. So if an attorney comes to you or a brand comes to you and says, stop bundling our products, you say, how soon? That's what I tell my clients. You don't <laughs> you know? say, I'm sorry. You, say, <laughs> you don't say I'm sorry. I'll yes. <laughs> yeah. You know, maybe there's some, you know, we can, we've negotiated sell throughs before with people. Sometimes brands require royalty to sell through. Sometimes they don't. It can be advantageous. Like, for instance, I had a seller where they had a cigar case that they were custom manufacturing and there was a patent on it. And they had ordered like 5,000 units of it from China. So huge investment. And so the brand said, well, give us, you know, 50,000 bucks and you can sell through all your inventory. Well, this is a product that sold for 50 bucks a unit. Made sense to give them 50,000 bucks to make 200,000 and get rid of their stuff. So, you know, it just goes to say, but, you know, most people with bundles are not going to have those levels of quantities. Mm -hmm. It might make more sense just to recall the product, you know, use it at home, give it to friends, donate it to a homeless shelter, whatever it may be. But don't keep selling it thinking that you're just going to keep selling it and stand your ground because that's not the hill that you want to get struck by lightning on. Yes. So, it's, uh, so those are the kind of the big tips for, for bundles right now. Um, but just reiterating, you know, the substantial value, your component needs to have substantial value. So like in a bundle example we gave earlier, it, the protein powder, that's, that's a real product. You know, people would buy protein powder on its own. So when you bundle that with a shirt and shorts for working out, Makes total sense. Like no one at Amazon is going to look at that and say he's trying to cheat the system because no one would ever buy protein powder with workout shorts and workout shirts. Mm -hmm. They they just they would. <laughs> they go hand in hand. Yeah. They're complementary items. Yeah, and to use an extreme example that gets beat up a lot. I don't know if you're up for this, but I'll use it. Jim said it, not Jeff, but you know some <laughs> refrigerator magnet that says, "Hey, you know, get out there and try hard today." Like you know, you add that in, and that's that. That's not a value added item. A little magnet. It's just not. 
you'll see a lot of bundles out there with those very inexpensive add-on components. But if the trends are heading in the way that I think they are and what I think I hear you saying, not for long, right? And and it's going to be potentially a pretty painful thing when those go down for whoever it is that's selling them. Because Amazon's not going to care that it's selling 20 a day or that it's doing really well for last year. They're just going to, they're just going to shut it down and potentially come after the seller as well. That's just kind of what I'm interpreting. You know, is it, would you tweak that message at all if it was coming from you? I would just say that the cleanup's already begun. Mm-hmm. So <laughs> you're talking about it happening in the future. And I'd say I'm already seeing it happening now. So it's starting, it's starting now. It's just very small scale. Right. And, and also the other thing to think about, you know, if Amazon gives you a warning for one of your bundles being bad, and say you've got 5,000 bundles or 500 bundles that are just like it, fixing just one isn't the answer they're looking for. They're just giving you, they only found that one and they're giving you a warning about that one, but now you've been tagged. So if you ever go and look for number two or three, then they're going to do a deeper dive and it can be much more serious. So you definitely want to take care of it. You know, like as soon, you know, if they say, hey, these three listings are bad, and you know you've got 300 just like them. That means you've got 297 to fix, not three. Yeah. Or, you know, oh, yeah, exactly. One of the philosophies that's always served us very well in our community is we teach people how to sell successfully on Amazon. And we've been well ahead of the curve on many of these coming yeah. policy changes that have kept people out of trouble. And it's yeah. this. Put yourself in Amazon's shoes. Would you right. want 10,000 sellers doing what it is you're doing if you were Amazon? If not, it, they don't want you doing it either. Because if they let one person do it, then it's going to catch on. And now everybody's putting in a little colored index card as the value add item and, you know, keeping their competitors off their listing. No, Amazon doesn't want that in their catalog. They want a great customer experience. They want value add listings being added to their catalog. Are you in the spirit of that trend? That's where things are going. And that'll keep you out a lot of the struggle. A lot of it's, you know, it's gray area. Yeah. But like, where's this heading? It's pretty obvious. It's well. What's interesting is I, you know, I've talked about this before. A couple of months ago, we had a we had a case where we went to Amazon's attorneys, and the seller had been playing in the gray area. And I'm not going to talk about what policy was broken or anything like that. But it was just they're playing in the gray area. And when you go to Amazon's attorneys, you're not dealing with idiots, right? Like, I mean, these are smart people that work <laughs> right. for the world's largest company. They're not. Mm-hmm. They didn't get there by being, you know, dumb. Like they. So they, you know, we we have we treat them with respect. We're not going to go to them and be like, oh yeah, the seller did nothing wrong here and completely, you know, was just totally right. I mean, we go to them and say, this is this is our interpretation of why the seller is not wrong, but this, you know, we have to back it up. And we went to them and we said, you know, this we you know fought for the seller. The seller didn't do anything wrong. This is within the spirit of the policy. You know, we tried our best, and then they came back and they basically were just like, no, <laughs> it's you know, we know that your seller did this and the policy says this. And yes, your interpretation is one interpretation, but here's our interpretation. And that was, you know, you know, they basically said, you know, based on the information we see where we do not see where Amazon did anything wrong with this, with this case. And, um, you know, the one nice thing is because we've got a good working relationship with them and we don't try to like, you know, pull, pull, you know, the wool over their eyes or anything like that. We don't try to, you know, scam them basically. You know, they did give us, they said, you know, but given the circumstances, we're willing to give your seller a second chance. If they submit a brand new plan of action that's, you know, 100% written by themselves and that they, you know, that it shows that they've changed and that they've learned, we will will reinstate their account. Hmm. So, and that's where the beauty of relationships come in. You know, right. I know a lot of times in the groups, you got you guys talk about relationships with, you know, suppliers, relationships with other sellers, coaches, things like that. And that's why like, I always try to nurture our relationship with Amazon's attorneys because that's where we're able to get them to do, I don't want to say favors for us, but we're able to get them to know that you know we're not bringing them... You know, like I won't take them a case where a seller says like, oh, I, I blatantly committed fraud on the platform and I forged all these documents and that sort of thing. Like I tell those sellers when they bring those cases to us, you know, you're you're asking for us to you're like you're you know what you're asking for is us to go to them and get you a second chance. We can try to get you a second chance, but we have to be 100% transparent with them about what you did and what you learned from it. And if they give you a second chance, it's because they know that you've talked to us enough that you won't do this sort of thing again. Right. So right. and you still have a tremendous track record, you know, I just kind of speaking right. it to why it is that we put you at the top of the list of people we refer when our when our students 
have trouble on Amazon policy, legal, anything like that question, we send them right your way. Not only you price very reasonably, I would argue you're most reasonably priced in the industry. You've got those connections. You've maintained those kinds of relationships. Your staff is former Amazon employees who understand the systems. I mean, you're doing a lot of things right. So yeah, you need someone like that in your corner. If you're going to be playing in the gray areas, which there are gray areas, if you're going to sell online, there's plenty of gray areas and you want to be drifting towards the right end of the law, not resisting and drifting away and saying first sale doctrine. Every time somebody challenges the way you put your listing together, uh, you want to be on the right side of the gray area with this stuff, staying ahead of the curve. That's why I appreciate your input so much to our community. Well, is there anything else on your list? You gave us some good bullet points, you know, the, the, the subject line of your, you know, the title of your listing, the bundle, I'm sorry, the brand got to get that right. Making sure your bullet points and your content isn't just a scrape using some other brands accidentally that you grabbed from other places. You know, you talked about putting, uh, you know, you're selling Nike and you're talking about Under Armour. Like, this is kind of like Under Armour. No, you can't do that on your Nike listing. So that makes sense. All that makes sense. Was there anything else that would be like the big red flag cautions for us as bundle sellers? So we've talked before. This is two really brief ones that kind of go hand in hand. You know, mixing mixing conglomerates is what I usually call it. And so you don't want to take products from, say, Nike and Under Armour. Like, you wouldn't want to say, you know, Under Armour workout shirt with Nike shorts and Jeff's, you know, protein powder. You wouldn't want to make that sort of bundle because brands that don't get along together, they don't play nicely when it comes to bundles either. So they're not going to be, you know. both mad at you now. <laughs> exactly. So you don't, you know, you, you don't sense. play it from conglomerates, you know. If you're getting household goods, you don't get Colgate, Palmolive, and Procter and Gamble. You mm-hmm. don't get, you know, Johnson and Johnson and GlaxoSmithKline. If it's, you know, health and beauty, those sort of things. I hadn't heard uh, that one before, because one of the classic uh, examples I give of a bundle—not that I have one, not that I've actually seen anyone else doing it—would be like some of the major brand coffees that I like, right? So I yeah. get Folgers and a Dunkin' Donuts, for example, as an example. Nothing against those brands. I don't know anyone who's doing it. I'm not doing it myself, but. That would be an yeah. example of what you just said. Like, I got to assume they don't necessarily like each other a whole lot and they're trying to outdo each other in the marketplace. Maybe that's a bad right. idea. Definitely. No, definitely not Starbucks and Duncan. <laughs> okay. Know? I don't know if like, it, it depends, you know, kind of one thing is, you bring that up. I don't know who makes Duncan's at home, you know, coffee. Oh, I was so just kind of guessing and assuming cultures. maybe they could be the same. So if it's, you know, you, so you sometimes can get away with it if you find that they're both like, if both items are manufactured by Folgers, for instance, you might be able to get away with it, right. but that's, but still, you have to be you have to be careful because they don't you know, they may not want their brand positioned if they're trying to position themselves as a premium coffee. They may not want it to be bundled with, you know, everyone you know every day starts fresh with Folgers or whatever the thing is. I can't remember. Well, there you know, there's a reason why we consider bundling to be a slightly you know we have the pyramid concept in our community. Yeah. Learn the basic Amazon selling models. Once you've got that down, you've got some nice profits rolling in, you built a system, then you stack on some of these other things. And you can see right. why some of the complexities of bundles is, you know, it's a slightly more advanced. We we right. want people to not set up their own listings, not even consider setting up their own listings as a new seller. And we've hit on a lot of the reasons today, even if it's not yeah. a bundle, yeah. the things we're t- talking about today apply, right? right? So don't set up new listings on Amazon if you're a new seller. I think Correct. that's that's a huge red flag I'd like to throw out there just to make sure whoever's listening say if they start thinking about yeah. starting with bundles, no, bad starting point. Right. You want to be an no, advanced experienced not. seller who understands, has the connection. You can justify paying the monthly retainer to have Jeff Schick on yes. retainer, that sort of thing, right? Now you yeah. can start talking and thinking about bundles as maybe a, a more advanced investment. Right. And then one thing to think about too, IP claims. You know, I sort of hit on the fact that you know, if a brand tells you to stop selling their their product in your bundle, stop selling it. But the same rules apply for IP claims. You know, if you see that there's a brand, um, you know, I'll pick on one that I've seen quite a bit lately, Sharper Image. They file IP claims left and right. So anyone that is thinking about, you know, replensing Sharper Image products, probably not a good idea. They're going to file an IP against you. We know they do it. So like Sharper Image, I wouldn't put their items in a bundle because, they can, you know, if they're going to go after you on their individual listings, they'll probably go after you on their bundle too. Mm-hmm. So the last thing I want to do is bundle, you know, my, throw in a sharper image waist trimming belt with my workout bundle, you mm-hmm. know, because now we've, you know, maybe, you know, even Nike, even though Nike doesn't file and I'm not going to file for the protein powder by throwing in that extra brand that does file IPs, we're increasing the risk that we get an IP claim against us. Right. 
that makes total sense. And that's where some of those basic selling skills, you know, in our community, we, yeah. we teach replens so is that basic skill. You're going to get used to identifying those problematic brands that you probably should just stay away from. Legally, are you okay if it went to a court and everyone spent a million dollars, you might win? Yeah, sure. But do you want to mess with all that? No, of course not. Just stay with the brands, those mid-tier brands. That's where I love to go. You know, I would say 95% of the brands in my Amazon account are brands that most people wouldn't recognize walking down the street. They've never seen a TV commercial for that brand, right? Like I'm not going to the brands that have a, a conference room with million dollar lawyers sitting around it all day, every day, trying to figure out how to protect the brand. That's not the brands I play with for the most part. Uh, and just, you know, as you kind of grow and mature in this business, you kind of drift towards the, the lower hanging, less risky fruit, so to speak. I well, we know when I was in law school, I was I was doing two million dollars a year in revenue selling a brand, like selling three different brands that no one had ever heard of. Right. <laughs> it's like exactly. you know, it was perfect, you know. It was That's it was, you know, slow yeah. and steady wins the race, you know. Nobody had heard of them. There was usually three to five sellers on each listing. It was it was perfect. Brands <laughs> you can totally build fine. a relationship with. Now that being sure. said, there's there's it's plenty of safety to be found in selling on good, reliable ASINs with recognized brand names. Yeah. That's great. You're going to find a lot more competition there. You, you kind of drift over time into some of the mid-tier opportunities. And you, like I know you built a relationship with the brand you were selling over time, and that right. blossomed into some beautiful opportunities. That's the kind of stuff we like to see happen as, as yeah. you know, starting off as resellers. Well, th this has been a very informative, man. I appreciate it. I've learned a couple things yeah. for sure that I didn't realize. So this is really good. And uh, was there anything else you want to throw out there as kind of a, you know, a little warning flags for those venturing into bundling on Amazon? So I'd say, you know, bundling on Amazon, having a trademark is really important. So make sure you put some time and effort into getting that trademark, having it done properly. You know, I can't stress it enough. You know, talk, you know, talk with an attorney before doing it. Yes, you can probably file your trademark yourself. But last thing you want to do is spend a bunch of time and money building up a, a bundle brand and then being forced to change your brand name, you know, seven months down the road when the USPTO says they can't give you a mark. So we've heard plenty of people doing that even well after the brand has got some momentum. It's like, oh, by the way, uh, no, you can't actually use that. Right. Yeah. So you want to do your homework on the front end and and then there's new ways. We'll probably stick notes uh, below, below this video. It's going to be on YouTube yeah. and your channel, my channel, whatever. There'll be notes below this on yeah. how to do all of these things and how to get more information on Absolutely. all this stuff. So yeah, great. Great segment yeah. today, man. I know we could probably turn this into four hours, but I think we hit 95% of what people need to know here in just a few minutes. I think minutes. so. So well done. Awesome. Thank uh, you very much. Thanks for having me. We'll do this again real soon, it. Jeff. Appreciate you, man. Sounds good. All right. Bye. Talk to you then. Thank you for listening to Silent Sales Machine Radio. Visit silentgym.com for a link to our free newsletter, our free Facebook group, and all of our resources mentioned on today's show.